Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and um, with me on this episode is Carol Garbroden-Murray. And, hi everyone. Uh, hi, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, it's been a long time since I really recorded with anyone. Um, and and uh, you and I just recorded a couple of weeks ago about one that was a little a topic that was a little heavier for both of us with the recess article. And I'm looking forward to this one maybe being a little bit just more fun. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not important. I think this topic is going to be really important. Um, and as I said to to Carol before we hit record, um, I think the conversation today is one of the few podcast episodes where I'm coming in with more wondering than opinion. So <laughs> I'm here also to learn from you, Carol, and to um, enjoy your enthusiasm for the topic of mark making. Yay. Yeah. Um, so to start the conversation, we have a quote from Rhoda Kellogg um, from a text called Analyzing Children's Art. Um, and Rhoda Kellogg said, the child's mind must develop through the impact of his own scribbling, um, which that's a tiny sentence, but pretty powerful. Yeah, like we we do get really dismissive of and impatient with scribbling. I think we sometimes. do. Yeah, we do. I remember when I was in grad school, I had this really great um, advisor and professor. Her name was Linda Lama, and I don't think she's alive anymore. Uh-huh but she was a passionate like mark maker scribble kind of person. And she would always talk about interpreting scribbles and she would put these scribbles up all over the wall and have us categorize them and, and look at them closely. And it just got me, so, every, I was so lucky I had that really early on in my mm-hmm. career. And it just, then when I went into the field and became a teacher and I would see those scribbles and those little marks and circles and lines and mock letters, I just felt like I had discovered, you know, this, mm-hmm. this, this, it was like the artifacts of, yeah. of childhood. And I always have felt so excited about mark making. Yeah, I read this. Um, you sent me a, a newsletter that you had written a little bit about mark making in, and I read that and um, uh, as preparation for today, but it, I hadn't thought about Kellogg for a while. I think I don't, I don't know. I'm not very um, knowledgeable about her and her work other than when I was a, I think in my associate's degree, one of the assignments we did was like the stages of, of children's drawing or something, but it was really an art focus. And I felt like that was sort of not connecting for me as art necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so um, I think of it more maybe as pre- like a pre-language kind of thing, like pre-writing in that children babble before they, you know, use words and then put sentences together. And, um, and we, we often sort of uh, minimize babbling too, for its value. 
Yes. But um, but but the more I, I think and read, of course, you, to do art, you have to be able to develop those kinds of skills. But it is more of a a language and communication thing for me, I think. Yeah, I think the thing that's exciting about Kellogg is, you know, it, to me, it's like the, the overlapping of, of anthropology and uh-huh. child development and and art and writing and literacy. It's just there's so many layers, but she collected marks from around the world and she's you know she saw those patterns Mm -hmm. she saw those random scribbles and how they turned into vertical and horizontal lines and then how the circle the circle emerged when the child was close to three and then and then the patterns with the mandalas and the little tadpole people and you know she um she has collections of children's marks and um it just as as an artifact as a way to cherish and preserve childhood i think it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful yeah, I think uh, when I did the assignment, I know that we had to go and try to collect artifacts um, of each of those stages. And I, I remember, again, a disconnect that um, like the, the, the preschool, the older children in the child care programs that I would go to were not, and I know the age groupings that go with each of those stages of scribbling are, you know, sort of recommended and broad, but I was still seeing really early scribbling in some of those four and five-year-old groups that I was looking for. And at about the same time, I was working through our child care centers, um, paths to quality, which is the, the quality rating scale in Indiana and having lots of conversations with people about how to make, um, writing implements and experiences available to toddlers. And I started to think when I was hearing all these objections to to free scribbling in a toddler classroom, maybe that was connected to the, to why I wasn't seeing those more developed scribbles with five-year-olds. They just hadn't ever had that baseline practice. Yeah. I, I think that's fascinating. And I, I think two things, one thing is that you said, like, we don't cherish babbles or, or yeah. scribbles. And yeah. that is one of the things that the research says is that writing is the area where adults are hardest on children. You oh. know, that, that, that we will cherish the the way the child says a word or mispronounces a word or remember the first word and we don't correct the child. You know, we don't say you must say mother when the child says mama or whatever, Uh but with the writing um, we want to really correct and we want to model and we want to move the child along. We want to see the child writing their name or drawing something that's representative. Uh So that is an area where children are often shut down and they're often criticized um, you know, not intentionally, but, oh, what is it? When the child's yeah. scribbling, we say, what is it? Yeah. Um, and then the child can ha- develop some, some, some self, you know, doubt or, or right. what do you mean? What is it? I'm, I'm right. experimenting with motion and movement right yeah. now. And so they can't always answer those questions. So yeah. that's fascinating. And I, I have seen um, what you're saying, like um, both things I've seen programs where we have had a real emphasis on the writing center and the mark making materials being available to the very, very young and then uh-huh. see the progression and see how incredible those kids are when they're yeah. born. Not to say that there's a hierarchy and it gets better, but it kind of blows my mind. Sometimes the kids who have had the mastery with the tools at a really young age and what they are actually doing when they're four and five with representation. Yeah. And then I've also seen kids who come into the program at four or five and really haven't had that freedom. Mm-hmm. And they even will like draw stick figures that you can tell someone taught them how to draw stick figures mm-hmm. and that they're done. They're done with art. That's all on. it is. Yeah. Or they feel intimidated and they stand next to the writing center and they watch the little girls, you know, draw oh, something. Yes. Like, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, but then 
watching them dive into it and then watching them go almost from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. in, in like two months, go through all the stages when they're four and five is fun yeah. too. And yeah. one way we saw that happen for a little boy we had a couple of years ago who wasn't doing much mark making at all is we did it at nap time. So he would be laying on his belly with clipboards <laughs> and he would be all by himself and his little nap time area. And we saw that he wouldn't go to the writing center a whole lot and he didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of confidence, but within the course of like two, three months, what he did with his mark making was just so exciting. It really, you really did feel like you were watching, mm-hmm. you know, watching the sunflower grow before Yes. Like, oh my gosh, look what he's doing now. That's look great. And I, I feel like it's important, for, I guess, for me to clarify or for us to say, we're not, we don't, this shouldn't be like a deficit model. Like, oh, they haven't hit that stage of no, their no, struggling no. yet. So they're, they're behind. But it is an opportunity, sort of an opportunity gap, right? If they've never had free access or repeated access to those kinds of materials. And I love that, um, the idea of giving them like the teacher pen. Yes. Because yes. that's that's what's motivating to them rather than um, the chubby pencil that we think should be motivating to them or the markers yeah. or whatever. Yeah, the um, clipboard laying on your belly with the teacher pen is, is a big hit. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So I think that's that's just really... It's another example where I wish I was in direct care again, so I could start um, looking yeah. at this differently every day. Um, but you talked about it in terms of being an artifact when we see children's scribbles. And, you know, what I see happen a lot and, and what I've certainly probably done is that children make like one mark on a piece of paper and then they throw it to the side and then they make one mark on a piece of paper and they throw it to the side. And we, our budgets, um, the budget part of our brain thinks we need to shut it down and, um, or there's just shoved full cubby at the end of the day shoved full of these little scribbles that we don't pay attention to mm-hmm. um but to think of them as artifacts um I guess I just want to hear you talk ab- about what you mean and what that looks like and yeah why yeah. it can change things for There's us quite a few things yeah one thing I think about is this mantra that we have as early childhood educators which is process over product mm-hmm. and I appreciate that I appreciate mm-hmm. that we've opened up our processes and we've got a lens to experience the process. And I love the process of watching the children experiment with marks, you know, and then move to, you know, some control and even go back to the beginning scribbling. And then, you know, it's not always linear either. Mm -hmm. So the process is beautiful. Um, But I do think sometimes with the process oriented talk, there has been this emphasis on just like, forgetting about mark making and forgetting Mm -hmm. about what's happening for the individual child. So what I mean is like, when I see like, you know, the bubble print or the golf ball painting or the gadget painting or the finger painting, it's all beautiful. And it's great because kids are messy and kids are experimenting with materials and gaining some mastery over tools um, and expressing themselves, of course. Mm -hmm. But when I see it up on the wall in the preschool, every, to me, I can't tell whose is whose, Mm -hmm. right? But when we have an appreciation for the child's hand and we are saving those marks, we actually, it's, it's such a, uh, we, we know at the, within two months into the year, we know, oh, those are, those are 
Jessica's marks. Those are Heather's marks, you know, mm -hmm. because we know the way the child is expressing themselves with their hand and it's yeah. unique to the child. So this thing about just holding a pencil, holding a marker, holding a crayon and, and, and then maybe having a system in our practice where we save those, you know, where we have maybe a little mailbox in the classroom where the kids can save them. Uh -huh. And what we do sometimes along with the easel paintings, we save as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the kids beg to take it home. Right. Yeah. Sometimes. And we, and I've even got to the point where something will be so precious to me. And I'll think, man, I really want a copy of this. I'll even <laughs> walk into my office and then talk them into letting me make a copy of it. Uh -huh. um, but if we can, if we can find a way to save this stuff and then maybe at the end of the month, go through it and say, okay, let's save a few samples, mm -hmm. right. Instead of going in the recycling or instead of getting crumbled up in the, in the, in the cubby, then when we get to that parent teacher conference period or the portfolio period or documentation, however, we present processes mm -hmm. to parents, we can say, oh, look at these are the marks from September. And I've noticed within one month's time, they've moved from vertical random marks to little circles, or look how they're working around the edges of the paper, mm -hmm. you know, and, and let's think about how, um, Every mark that they make, whether it's vertical, horizontal, diagonal, circle, it's going to be uh, supporting them as a reader and writer. You know, of course, we want to celebrate it now as the process, as the expression, as, mm -hmm. as the beauty, uh, beautiful mark that it is. But it is going to set the foundation for when the parent says, are you teaching them to write their name? Mm -hmm. So um, I do think um, in, in with the easel, you can see some parallel with the easel paintings, too, if you're saving those, you know, you might see. Uh, as the child moves into some more controlled scribbling and some design, placing things a little more carefully around the paper, you'll see that also often happening at the easel, or maybe it's a little earlier at the easel because there's more freedom with the full arm. Mm -hmm. So maybe the child will start to make a, a letter in their name or pretend to write something with the paintbrush before they do with the marker or the crayon because okay. That's going to involve so much control of your, you know, your shoulder and, and your arm and your stability holding the paper. Mm -hmm. So I just, it's just, I just think it's fascinating to think about the child's hand and the hand working with the mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, you know, just, it just, to me, it just the whole child again. Right, it's right. is it art? Is it science? Is it expression? Is it creativity? Mm -hmm. Is it mathematical thinking? It's just everything. It's movement. Yeah. Yeah. Movement, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Another book that I really love is um it's by Nancy Smith. It's an old book and it's about easel painting. Uh -huh. And she goes up into like seven, eight, nine-year-olds, but she has some really great chapters on the beginning mark making and the beginning. Uh, motor uh, experimentation at the easel and what yeah. the children are doing. So I never was able to really see those stages with the easel painting as clearly as I can now since I read Nancy's book. So yeah. again, it gets you excited. You feel like, oh my gosh, I can see this in a new way. And I, and I think like at the beginning of the year, I kind of like to highlight this for my teachers just to say, let's make sure, you know, we have this, this, this blank slate. Like we are a blank slate. Our classroom is a blank slate. The kids are coming to us. So what do we have available on those shelves? Do we have crayons the first year? Do we have crayons the first week? Do we have crayons and pencils? Do they always know where the, where the clipboards are? Do they always know where the white mm -hmm. paper is? Do they, you know, how do we uh, create an environment where we show our value on that, like their expressive mark? Yeah. And give it to them in a way that is empowering so that they can always approach it and go to it and find it and then how the next month maybe we move to I don't know when maybe we we see that everyone is 
is making circles and we start <laughs> to collect, you know, we start to collect all the emerging representations of, of, of humans that are, that are coming out of the children. Um, and sometimes you find them on the, the tiniest little scrap of paper, right? So uh-huh. it gets, like you said, it usually would go into the recycling bin or the garbage or, or in the backpack. Um, but I think um, the most important stuff is just right there in front yeah. of us. And sometimes yeah. we get so overwhelmed with thinking about our lesson plans and what we're going to create and what we're going to ask and what provocation we're going to put out. Yeah. But I just, I just like this idea of the simplicity of the child's hand mm-hmm. and the child having access. And then the educator, you know, really thinking of themselves as an anthropologist and, yeah. and, a, and a developmentalist and, and watching what happens. It's very exciting. Yeah. I love that. I, that image of, of the teacher as anthropologist <laughs> just sort of being there and and just the focus on the hand I think is really a beautiful way to sort of be mindful like a, an image that can help us be mindful during those moments of of everything that's that's really happening in, I think back to some kids that I had a couple years ago I, I just moved to a new school but yeah my last year um it was a COVID year and we had a lot of writing utensils out in the playground with, um, you know, a writing center set up out there kind of with, you know, just baskets full of markers and crayons and clipboards. And I just, I can think of those kids, I think because we were so bonded <laughs> for other reasons too, yeah. but I mean, I can think of Max and I think the, every, the way he would make a gigantic circle shape all the, and take up the whole page mm-hmm. and make this beautiful happy face person right in the middle of his page you know he would do it every day for like three months uh-huh. and we would just find piles of them but <laughs> or max my, has been here <laughs> yeah, or my son would do the e's his name was evan right uh-huh. and he would do the big e in the middle of the paper and he would have like 12 like you know what do you call it the the, the lines the, across the lines that go i out call them the lines across yeah <laughs> the lines across he would have like 12 of those lines across uh-huh. um on his e and that he did that for for weeks on end uh-huh. before he made the e with three lines uh-huh. um so it's pretty it's pretty wonderful or, or if you think about like the the formation of the uh, those four and a half year olds who are trying to make a triangle or trying to do an a or those vertical lines like an a or a diagonal and you and you see that when that happens because they will do like this this sort of looped um soft edged triangle for months and months and months and then mm-hmm. finally one day they make this pointy a <laughs> and it's like that is the brain developing yeah and it's such a great this, way it's this moment in time oh, when, yeah. when the brain is ready and the hand and eye has been working on this process for so long and what they see as the shape is actually they're able to inhabit it with their hand and their and their body so yeah. it's it's really miraculous yeah, the other thing that I thought about as I read that um, the newsletter that you sent me, um, where he had written a piece about mark making was so and and I know I recently shared this. It's sort of a, it's not really a meme. It's a you know a, a social media quote kind of thing that's going around that says you know before a pencil is in a child's hand they should you know climb and jump and and uh, squeeze and pinch and you know all those things which I agree with but I um, I think bringing that up here is a good, a good way to talk about ways that, um, both things can be true. And, um, you know, the, the point of that quote really is that we shouldn't be expecting children to be sitting and writing, um, focusing on penmanship and handwriting, um, before they're, they've had experience really to strengthen those, those wrists and hands. Um, and so I think what, what I hear you talking about, 
with having access to those materials to to use in their own ways is also part of that strengthening right we're not saying that half of the people think they should never have a pencil in their hand because they haven't used play-doh enough and the other half uh, think um you know what I mean? Like yes. we don't have to, this doesn't have to be a, a dichotomy. And I, I, um, yes, I love that. It, ga I, it gave me some images of like, like when I was a young teacher and we would have students come in our classroom and they would have to come with a clipboard back in the old days when everyone had a clipboard and a pencil yeah. or, you know, a notebook or a spiral yeah. notebook and they would write. And then the, the kids would go over, right. The two and three-year-olds would go over, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you here? And then we would just set up some some chairs right next to the observers and with some clipboards and pencils and the kids want to they want to role play right uh -huh. so if writing is a part of their life um, then they want to also be writing mm -hmm. and, and 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 just holding those pencils in whatever way they hold them and certainly not in place of play-doh and clay and right. digging in the dirt certainly not in place of that ever um but I think the other really speaks more to adult expectations like that the the meme I'm talking about the quote I'm talking about really is managing adult expectations and not saying you should yeah. never let a child have a pencil in their hand <laughs> even though that's the literal language of the the beginning yeah. of it. And maybe, so. maybe even more so now because we aren't writing as much, are we? Mm -hmm. We have our phones and we have our, um, you know, our computers, our yeah. laptops around. Um, so I think of that too, sometimes when I think about when I'm taking dictation or writing down the children's words, how it gives me that moment to pause, uh -huh. to go slow. Like it's wonderful when someone gives me a recorder and says, oh, just record what they say and you yeah. can catch what they said. And that's a different tool, but there is something really special about that slowing down mm -hmm. and, and, and writing down their words and letting them see you write mm -hmm. and, and then explaining to parents again, like I've had parents ask me, well, she's learning how to read she's like four and a half five and I've noticed she can sound out words and she's asking how to write words so why are you writing her stories for her mm -hmm. you know she should be writing her stories yeah so then it's that conversation with the parent where you can tell them about mark making and say wow this is one of those places where the motor skills are the, the intellectual development is so high the child uh -huh. has this incredible vocabulary they're telling these sophisticated stories but their motor skills are different they're at a different level with their uh -huh. hand-eye coordination and motor integration so for her to write a whole story it's going to burn her out she's not uh -huh. going to be able to I can write her story once upon a time, the queen went up to the castle and the king opened the door and it's very complicated and I can barely keep up with it with my mm -hmm. pencil. And, um, and then, and then, but I can capture her ideas and her words, right. and then she might want to write one or two words, or she might want to draw a picture about it. But there is that gap between um, the intellectual burst where we, where we hear this sophisticated language and yeah. reasoning. So we think they should be able to write and read as well. Yeah. Um, but to allow the mind and body to be integrated. Yeah. And, to well, and, and to keep that intrinsic motivation alive until the motor skills catch up with that intellectual drive and, and, um, and skill rather than giving them an expectation of learning to write that story down on their own and then sort of killing the joy of the whole experience for them. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think it's just a great back to school message about like, just, you know, thinking about how children are going to approach the materials and, and how we can get to know them through their yeah. marketing 
yeah. and how they express their identity through their mark making yeah. and what materials are available and, and how do we collect them? I mean, it's a messy process, right? It's so yeah. hard to collect, <laughs> to save it all, but it is really wonderful. I mean, having a month worth of easel painting and then spreading it out on the floor in the evening after the kids go home and looking back on, on, on the process. Uh -huh. That's where I love the process. Yeah. But, but my thing is the product. I love the product so much too. I, I, I loved this moment when this uh -huh. child made this giant orange blob on the middle of the yeah. page. It's really, really beautiful. Yeah. Well, and again, I don't think that um, when we're talking about process and product, children make products, it, you know, we, we give them that freedom to, to engage in the process. It's again, it's about adult expectation. It's like, are we expecting a specific finished product? And are we expecting the same from all people, all children? And not so much that, oh my God, you're holding this in your hand and calling it a product. And yeah, it goes against everything you've said before. <laughs> yeah. And also for like for the whole idea about worksheets and, and coloring sheets and things like that, there's yeah. that end product, right? There's that right. adult expectation. Maybe you're studying sea creatures. So you give the child a, a you know, a, a, a coloring book page yeah. of an octopus or something. I'm not saying it's horrible, but I'm also saying that like, it feels disrespectful to me once I've watched these children emerge, uh -huh. you know, I've seen their hand. And so my idea of an octopus and presenting it to them yeah. when, when they have the capacity to tell me a story, to make a mark, you know, and sometimes that mark making starts out with a scribble and said, oh, this yeah. and it might have an elaborate story with it. It might not. Yeah. Um, but it, again, I think it, it sort of, you know, it exemplifies when we talk about, when we talk about child respect and, yeah. and 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 I don't know what you know just yeah. respecting the emergent yeah the emergent I, process rather than the top down and, and expecting images to look a certain way yeah I think I think what you just described too with your um uh whatever sea creature you had a, a coloring picture of I can't remember now even but that um sometimes our good well-intentioned adult goals underestimate children and mm -hmm. and and we if we're looking at those scribbles and their mark making, it's deeper than if we think, okay, can you remember what color that sea creature was and what color you used on your, yeah. on your coloring sheet? Yeah. And you'll yeah. see those, sometimes you'll see those kids who are intimidated by the process. Yeah. Not that, not that I asked them to draw something, but mm -hmm. they might say, draw me an octopus, you know? Mm -hmm. And I would say like, well, I don't, that's your paper and that's your idea. I don't mm -hmm. like to draw for you, but you could draw it. No, you yeah. draw yeah. And then maybe they had a babysitter or someone who did it for them. Right. Yeah. So then I might say, um, you know, hmm, let's think about the octopus and uh -huh. what shape do you think they might have? You know, I want to support them. I don't want right. to, because there is sometimes, there are sometimes those children who haven't had a lot of experience with materials and they have had a lot of coloring books. So yeah. they need, I think they need some sort of partnership. They need us to meet them part way and say, I wonder, have you ever made a circle? Oh, wow. <laughs> a circle could be like a head, right? A yeah. circle could be like a head. And what would legs look like? You uh -huh. know, I mean, and then to yeah. coach them a little bit just to help them feel their confidence yeah. in their own hand yeah. uh, can be. And you're showing them that confidence in that, you know, in that in, in that interaction. And it's still a warm, respectful interaction, you know, it, it can be so nice. Um, it reminded me of something else that's gone now. Oh, I was just going to ask if, because um, I'm, I'm remembering again what I kind of talked about when I was talking about the quality rating system and the conversations with the people who are working with toddlers. 
And they really struggled to have those supplies out and available all the time. And even with preschoolers, I hear people bring up safety concerns even about having pencils or pens as opposed to a soft marker. Um, do you have tips? Do you have, do well, you have uh, I, suggestions for that kind of thing? Success stories? Yeah. I mean, I have seen children be so successful with real materials, right? So the markers that, that you know, the marker caps might roll around and be on the floor and everything. But yeah. I think if we're present with them, I think if we give ourselves permission to be present at the writing center um, or, or near the clipboards um, so that we are a part of that process with them and, and mm -hmm. then we can take the emphasis off perhaps maybe some of the other work that we feel we have to do, right. um, that they do um, show incredible mastery. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I haven't had children, you know, cut their friend's hair or, right. <laughs> or draw on their faces. Draw on their yeah. faces. Yeah. yeah. So there is that conversation, of course, about how we use the materials mm -hmm. and how we're care and maybe starting simply starting yeah. with that respect by putting out a very few beautiful materials in a, in a lovely, you know, base in, where the kids can access them. And then the next week there's something new added, um, mm -hmm. you know, thinking about the way we present the materials, how we make them available, yeah. um, how we value them, how we write down things throughout the day for, yeah. I love, to have, you know, I love to have sticky notes around when the child's, you know, upset because I didn't read the story that she wanted me to read. Oh. I, you know, oh, let yeah. me, let me write yes. a note to yourself. Did you, you know, how do we, how do we model our, yeah. our handling Use of it all and the, and the scissors and yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's, I think it's very, um, again, just honoring their competency yeah. and see, and seeing, you know, each group is going to be different. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're pretty, I, pretty amazing. Yeah. I think that a lot of times the feeling is, and what I hear people say is, well, I have so many other things to do. I can't sit and help them and guide them in the way you just described, but you can, um, think about those other things you're doing that you feel like are pulling you away from that. And, um, some of those can be adjusted, you know, it just, it's just, a, it's what you talked about at the very beginning, being intentional. And maybe you think, okay, yeah, I really can't stop doing that other thing the way I'm doing it, but you may find a couple times that you can. Um, and you might find that your, your love and your joy grows when you see the mark making absolutely. And, you, and you have that identity with each child and where they are in the process yeah. of mark making. Yeah. And then you might, your contagious energy might uh, be what changes everything because, mm -hmm. you know, if you're the one just truly uh, marveling at this development, yeah. children pick up on that too, right? Yeah. I really love the idea of, I think you said it was Max walking around maybe at the end of the day or at the end of outside time and finding all these pieces of evidence that Max was mark making out here. And you know, it was Max because there was no question. You've spent so Max. much time noticing what no he question. had been doing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. That's yeah. very, very fun. Yeah. He had his own way of making those gigantic heads and they were so happy and they took up the whole paper. <laughs> I can know? picture. Yeah. For someone, you know, like Pablo, he was in that class too, and he would hold the pencil so tight and he would mm. make these tiny, just little tiny pencil, little things, tiny, you know, so every, yeah. every child has their own version and their own yeah. um, way of, yeah. of approaching the blank page. And then uh -huh. we think about the block corner as the blank page. And we think about the easel, we think about the the paper, mm -hmm. you know, the, 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 everything the child does is an expression, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, there it holds so many parallels. Yeah. Um, 
to the way they use materials in their body and their mind. Yeah. Well, you know what I wonder now, now that you mentioned the block area, it reminded me of, because a common piece of advice or criteria on a rating scale is, um, are there writing materials in every area of the room? And in the, like in the block area specifically, people talk about having sign making materials and, but I'm wondering now if I just, you know, if it's just there, maybe it's not even related to their block play. They just see it there and they stop and do a little mark making and then they go back to their block play. Um, or it's a child who would be intimidated by the writing area, like you said, or didn't quite know how to get in there, but the block area is their element. Um, or dramatic play is their element and they're going to be more likely to just do, it doesn't even have to be, you know, modeling a list for them or making signs for them. It can just be having it there where their attention is already drawn. And if the children really inhabit the room and the teachers have thought really carefully about their ownership of the room, then it, it might be that there isn't any writing material in the block corner, but she says, oh, that's such a great idea. We do need a sign. Yeah, oh, goes to get run, it. Yeah. Can you run over and get the pencils, you know? Yeah. If we know where things are right. and we have I, that, that access, can you yeah. get the pencils? Oh, I think we need some tape and, you know, that whole thing. I think and there's then, a cognitive and a, and a motor value. Yes. In, in that kind of um, arrangement where they have to move their bodies to get it and they have to think beforehand of what they need to, to follow their plans. So, yeah. 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 And then even like sometimes we take the clipboards and, and pencils on nature walks, right? We throw mm-hmm. them in the wagon, throw them in the wagon and sit in the field. And yeah. so the different children use the materials differently in different places. Sure. You know? We found that during COVID because we were outside so much, uh-huh. finding ways to make it all available <laughs> with yeah. and, and, and wagons and, right. and you know, yeah. being in the field with, the, with our journals. Right. Um, and it's certainly true, like the first time we used the journals with the threes, it was like, I'm going to make a mark on every page. I love this journal. I love this journal. <laughs> mark on every page. You yeah. know, use the whole journal up. Yeah. Um, yeah, COVID, COVID changed the way we interacted with writing and, and paper too, because the first, the classroom I was in, when we first all went back, they didn't have books out for choice or paper out for choice because they were so nervous about the COVID being on the paper or whatever. Right, right, and so right. I, now I'm curious about ways people might've noticed that drive to make a mark happening anyway, even mm. though we took some of that, um, some of those materials away at that time when we were figuring out what was safe and what wasn't. And that's what Rhoda Keller would talk about too. She would talk about the, the stick in the sand, right? Uh-huh. Art yeah. Even in um, parts of the world where they, they perhaps didn't have art materials. Mm-hmm. That they, there always seemed to be a way the children a were mark. Making, making a mark. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I need to go read some Rhoda Kellogg. <laughs> She had a big art exhibit. I have to look that up. I remember Uh seeing it on on social media, but there was, it must have been like maybe out in California, there was a big art exhibit. If you Google it, she had uh, someone featured her and her and blew up posters of the children's um, marks and and, uh, did an exhibition on her her study. So the assignment for the audience is, if you had examples from COVID of mark making without paper, send them to me because I'm curious. And also to figure, to go look at Rhoda Kellogg and some of what she writes and says and does. Yay. All right. Well, thank you, Carol. This was Have fun, everyone. With really, all the really is one of those that makes me want to go do the direct work again. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Happy back to school, everyone. Oh, yeah. This will Have be that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Watching the pictures people. roll. Yay. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode. And I hope you come back again. Bye. Bye. Oh.
And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.